Hello everyone and welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast titled All Things Dyslexia. Um, we have been kindly funded by Equip and European Social Fund, as well as Education Skills Funding Agency. And today we are talking about understanding dyscalculia. Why am I struggling with maths? Now, before we go into it or dive into it, so to speak, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder and the CEO of Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia. I have this condition, dyscalculia, and today's topic is really close to my heart. I'm really passionate to find out a bit more about this condition. And in fact, I, I was actually saying to one of my researchers, how do you even spell this word in the first place? To even understand how to add up two and two, because I know I have a severe problem with maths. And we have the wonderful, amazing Pete Jarrett, who I actually call the maths guru because he's when i met pete at one conference about maybe a year ago or a couple of years ago it was such a breath of fresh air to have someone explaining what this calculator is and everything he was going through i was like that's me that's me that's me and, and i walked away really liberated to be honest with you and to have pete on our podcast today it's just so phenomenal and i really feel so privileged and really um honored to have him on our podcast but before i bring pete on or before i introduce pete a, a bit further um i just want to read up a little bit about pete's biography pete jarrett is managing director of tutorial learning and assessment and a chair of the bda dyscalculia committee pete is dyslexic himself and is passionate about helping people who find learning difficult to be supported by teachers and technology Pete is a regular speaker at conferences and shows and is always entertaining and informative. Now, like I said, when I met Pete, my whole problems were over and that's the honest truth. Pete, welcome to a to a Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia. How are you feeling today? I'm well, Elizabeth. How are you? And I'll never forget that conference and meeting you for the first time. It was an absolute joy. Now you've said really nice things about me, I'm going to have to say that I think you're a, a fantastic role model for people with dyslexia and dyscalculia. And, and a lot of this conversation, I want to draw on what you feel, how it's, dyscalculia has impacted you, because I think that's a, a really important message and you're so good at that. So have we done the flattery now? Have we... we have done the flattery now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you. Now, t- I know I've read a little bit about your biography, but please do tell our listeners why you went into this area of work. What was the passion? I, I think it's important to start with the fact that I have dyslexia and ADHD. Um, and whilst those conditions don't define me, they've certainly influenced my life course and, and life decisions. So um, like many people um, who have neurodiverse conditions, I didn't particularly do well at school, um, but I really enjoyed being outdoors. And so I became an outdoor pursuits instructor, and that was my kind of first job in in education in a way was hanging off cliffs, helping, uh, helping people enjoy uh, canoeing. They didn't always canoe down cliffs. That was just occasionally for fun. Um, I went to university in my mid twenties, found it quite difficult at that point. Although I had a diagnosis of dyslexia, I was sort of uh, in denial really. Um, and uh, that was a struggle and worked for environmental charities on training. And then I went into teaching and the thing that really struck home when I went into teaching was that 
the experiences of people with conditions like ADHD and dyslexia and dyscalculia hadn't changed in the 30 years or the 20 years as it was then since I'd been at school myself. People still felt they were stupid and they didn't fit in and that the teachers didn't understand them. So that took me on a bit of a journey, really. Um, I trained as a dyslexia specialist teacher, but um, it was probably best if I didn't teach dyslexia because I struggled to remember the alphabet myself. Um, I always had an interest in, in mathematics. I, my first degree was in ecology, and so I was very used to dealing with numbers, uh, loved using numbers to explain the world. Um, so I was one of those uh, rare people that really understood number. Um, but I recognized that other people struggled. So um, I became really interested in why people struggled to understand mathematics and why people struggled to understand number. And the, the rest is history, really. I've, I've been on a, a long and terribly exciting learning journey. Wow, thank you so much for that, MP. Um, it's just such a, I mean, the fact that you went into that area of work and you've done amazing stuff and then you decided to do something about dyslexia, they're not dyslexia, dyscalculia, mm. in terms of how can you research to bring change. Mm. And I'm going to go on to my first question. What is dyscalculia? Okay, that's not really uh, a particularly easy question to answer. So, um Firstly, dyscalculia is one of a range of neurodevelopmental conditions that includes autism, dyslexia, Tourette's, developmental language disorder, um, dyspraxia and dyscalculia. So um, it has a definite root in a part of the brain. There is a part of the brain where we can identify that there's uh, different activity. Dyscalculia is a condition that affects a person's sense of number. And uh, it particularly impacts somebody's ability to do arithmetic. Um, this sense of number is something that all animals share. It's how we recognize whether something's bigger or uh, how if, if there are more things compared to, to something similar. Um, of course, humans, what we've done is we've developed on top of that sense of number, we've developed number symbols and words for numbers. And we recognize the order of numbers and how big they are and how numbers work. So basically, a person with dyscalculia is less efficient at understanding how numbers work. It kind of means that they really struggle with mathematics, that they struggle to sense how big numbers are. But what I often say is that it's not something, although we see it first in school, it actually impacts not just in education, it impacts in, in every area of people's lives. There are other things that really make people struggle to learn mathematics because of the way that we teach mathematics. So we have dyscalculia being an impairment in the sense of number, but then we also have a wider category of maths learning difficulties, which includes things like working memory and speed of processing. So how much information you can hold in your head and how quickly you work. So a lot of people that struggle with mathematics have wider maths learning difficulties. Around about one to two percent of people have 
this very specific impairment in sense of number. And Elizabeth, you are one of those people. So I am indeed, yes. You know, <laughs> um, you know it. Um, you know, with with personal experience. Wow, that's really fantastic because we get phone calls and people say, I have dyslexia and I also really struggle with numbers and that's also dyslexia. And I'm like, no, actually, it's not the same thing. Well, it can be. So dyslexia definitely can impact in the mathematics classroom. I I mean, in a range of ways. I'll give you one example. And this one is, is true to me as well. There's a uh, a podcaster uh, and uh, YouTuber, a guy called Steve Mould, who does a lot of science uh, YouTube stuff. Um, he's dyslexic. <laughs> he said when he was at school, he really struggled to learn his times table. So he actually got very good at working them out in his head. But although he was working them out in his head, he was never as quick as the people that could remember their times tables and recite them. So he felt he was really bad at mathematics. <laughs> Um, actually, I think we would probably say that if he was learning very efficient ways of doing the calculations, he was very good at mathematics. He just didn't remember poems very well. Yes. Um, but it left him feeling that he, he wasn't very good. So the kind of things that people with dyslexia struggle with are remembering facts and retrieving facts. And, and now in school, there's a lot of emphasis on knowing your number bonds and there's a lot of emphasis on knowing your times tables. People with dyslexia will struggle with that. And people with dyslexia often work a bit slower and also have an issue with working memory, which is how yeah. much information you can hold in your head and use at any one time, manipulate. And, and I guess that's why I just don't know the times table. I, it's not in my head. I can't remember I can't it. I don't, just don't know it. Yeah. It's a, mi a mixture of both things. It's a mixture mm. of, of your dyscalculia and dyslexia. And I mean, it would be it would be so much fun to put you in an MRI scanner, Elizabeth, and ask you yes. lots and lots <laughs> of questions and see which brain, which parts of your brain are working and which parts of your brain are working. Yeah. You know, I, th I think we'd have a really good afternoon doing that. Now, Pete, not everyone who struggles with maths have dyscalculia. That's right, isn't it? Not everybody. No. So I, I think there are, I mean, firstly, there are the issues that we've just talked about. So things like working memory and speed of processing, which are challenged by the environment in which we learn mathematics. So we have a tendency, we have this belief that mathematics is something that you're supposed to do quickly and in your head. So um, that's actually got nothing to do with how good you are, how good your sense of number is, but that's something that we, we, we have to do in the mathematics classroom. So people struggle with that. Other people struggle to access um, word problems. So where we have um, Derek goes and buys 24 watermelons and gives three quarters to one friend and four fifths to another friend. You know, all of those programs that are, uh, you know, all those questions that are really hard to understand because, I mean, who goes out and buys 40, you know, 24 watermelons? Well, Derek obviously does, but um, yeah. so um, there are things that, that you know, the, the classroom, but I think one of the other things um, that really impacts people, or I can't remember Pythagoras. Well, if you're not using Pythagoras' theorem every day, you don't actually need to remember it. It's something that you can, it's not a reflection on who, how good or bad you are. So 
the the two things other than dyscalculia that really impact maths anxiety now everybody with dyscalculia is likely to have some level of anxiety around number because the condition is um is really challenging on everyday life mm. um some people will have conditions that make maths learning really difficult and if you've got both of those or just you know you found mathematics difficult because it is a hard subject um you know even more people have anxiety it just leads me on to my next question Pete what are the repercussions if one doesn't go for help or support you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna kind of bounce that back to you Elizabeth Mm. really because um I mean I think we're only just in probably the last 10 five to ten years becoming aware of of the ways that we can help you know that we are recognizing uh children in school and people at university and people in the workplace and thinking about how we can uh help them in your experience what have been the the most difficult to deal with right now I, although I did answer that question, I'd love to answer that question, to be honest with you, Pete. Some of the things I've gone through, it's it's more sort of anxiety, panic, um, worry, um, to the extent that I, become, I get heart palpitations and I get really worried that, look, I'm not going to get this. And it's not because I'm, I'm negative about it, it's because I just don't understand it. When you were giving the example of the melon and you said something about fourth one fourth or something or something like that I, but then I was sitting there thinking well what's that then what is one fourth of, of, of Absolutely. a melon what's that there's your dyscalculia you see yeah. I, I, you know I was I was almost purposely being sort of um <laughs> challenging not to you personally but challenging yeah. with the question because it's it's so difficult to gain access to yeah. if you have a, a, a difficulty so I, I think you know you describe the anxiety it's about what the anxiety is so the kind of the the things that we see that people with dyscalculia really struggle with they're very poor at estimating or sensing whether an answer is right mm-hmm. or whether it's the right time you know the right number this becomes really difficult if they're for example dealing with money absolutely they don't necessarily know whether you know the figure that they've written in or the figure they've read is the right figure Mm. Um, people with dyscalculia often have quite significant difficulties with understanding time. Yes, so both that's me. in terms of telling the time. Also, if I said to you, Elizabeth, go outside for 10 minutes and stand outside for 10 minutes, you would probably find it quite hard to gauge I'm how long late 10 minutes I'd be was. half an hour and come back and say, that was 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you'd be like, no, it's half an hour or whatever, yeah. And that's why I think it's really important that this podcast we're having, you know, people can get the understanding of what this calculia is. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we are, we, we, we don't have people understanding dyscalculia in the same way they perhaps understand dyslexia. Um, so we, we have got to do, a, you know, a big piece of work on, on public understanding. That's, that's really important. Um, I think, you know, we, we, we've, we've done a lot of work in, in the last 20, 30 years in understanding it that the, you know, the, the people in, you know, the researchers in universities have, have given us a lot of information, uh, to help, 
teachers to understand it and to recognize the difficulties that people have finding work or, or in the workplace. Um, but I think what's really important is this kind of discussion where, you know, people like yourself with this calculator are saying how it is, but then you're saying that you also put in uh, sort of with your board and your accountant. Absolutely, you know, yeah. It relies on trust. Trust, but, absolutely. But you have put in place people that you trust to manage the things that you do less well to allow you to excel at what you do really well. 100%, yeah. Um, but we're very lucky, both you and me, because we run our own companies, of being in a position to put a team together to support us. Mm. It's almost, you know, the challenge is when you are just trying to get your foot under the table when you're starting out, how do you um, you do um, then? And I mean, the, there are things that you can do that will help. I mean, it's getting easier that that sort of text-to-speech software that will read numbers out to you on a spreadsheet that, you know, so you will hear it said because it's much easier to understand the difference between 100,000 and 1 million if you're hearing it than it is counting how many zeros there are and trying to remember, you know, which is the right one. Um you know, we're getting increasing technology that we, you know, you can hold your, you can scan a picture with your phone and there is technology that will read what's on that. So sort of reading cash registers. I mean, I, I talk to people who've um, worked in nursing and, and in pharmacy with this calculator um, and they write everything down. They make sure that everything that they need to know in the workplace is written down to make sure that they don't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've met young people that just don't get the GCSE. They're not no. getting it. You know, they keep failing and they keep going back and they keep mm. failing. Um, mm. And it breaks my heart. I don't have GCSE maths. And, you know, it breaks my heart because back in our days, I can say the job, what it was called, um, I think it was, uh, what was it? Oh, what was the name of it? The apprenticeship many years ago. Youth training scheme. Youth training scheme, that's youth it. Youth opportunities programme. That's yeah. the one, yeah. And I remember, I don't know whether you have to have GCSE maths or not, but I know that I went on to a hairdressing course mm. without having maths. And I, and, I, and I did my hairdressing course back in the 80s. But sometimes I go to my local colleges and I give talk and other colleges as well. And young people come up to me and say, well, actually, I can't get past the GCSE. It's, it's... And they have to keep repeating to take it. But I'm just wondering, how do they get past that point to be well, able to? I, I think there are two things. I mean, you know, we, we've got a relatively short amount of time on the podcast and you're getting into the area in which I can rant for about five hours. So, um, you know, if you want to listen to my five hour podcast and what's wrong with <laughs> mathematics education, uh, press press listen here but um i i think it's a real challenge and and the colleges are lost sometimes as well on what to do i think there are a couple of things that happen within colleges particularly that are um difficult for learners like actually to to have to study functional skills mm -hmm. instead of doing gcse maths can be really difficult for people with dyscalculia because it's very hard to extract the number from a real world problem whereas if you're given the calculation that you need to do you can actually learn just how to do that calculation 
Um, for people with pure dyscalculia, the answer is to actually just learn how to do everything. The amount of work opportunities I've lost, Pete, because it, it involves a bit of maths and nothing, I'm not going for that. Yeah. And I just would not apply. Yeah. I'm not saying to our listeners, please don't miss opportunities because there is help. We learn the mathematics that we need in our jobs by doing the job. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be a, a builder, you know, you will learn, you will, you will build up from experience um, how many bricks you need to buy to build how many square meters of wall and you will start to understand the square meters of, of paving looks like you'll, you'll you'll start to do that It'll never be easy it'll always take longer and you will have to check yeah. but you just use the you just use you have enough maths to just get by yeah absolutely um, so I, I think but you've got to be resilient Absolutely, I agree with that's, that as well. That, that's what makes people with all the neurodiverse conditions successful, is working yeah. hard to overcome your barriers. Now, we can't get away from maths, can we? We just can't. I mean, we live in a world where you can't get away from it. No, we can't get away from it. I mean, I, I think, again, um, hour three of my five-hour podcast focuses on um, what is wrong with the mathematics that's taught in school because very little of the GCSE is actually useful to everybody in the real world. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, you know, um, and I think the pandemic has given us an insight into how actually, you know, understanding statistics, probability and risk, those are the kind of mathematics areas that we use now in the 21st century and the um, how mathematics is used in the workplace. And, and I mean, I love Pythagoras. He's one of my best friends. I'm not quite as old as him, but, you know, he, he did some good work. Um, it's useful to some people, but we could do other stuff that would be more useful. And also make sure that we didn't move too quickly. So we can't get away from maths, but we do need a maths curriculum that, suits 21st century life wonderful thank you for that pete but just my last question before we go what support and resources are out there for people who are struggling with maths right okay um there's some very good books I, i'm going to point to the british dyslexia association website and mm -hmm. if you search for dyscalculia on there there are are um, some checklists. So if you, you haven't been diagnosed with this calculia, but you recognize some of the things that you and I have talked about, there are some checklists on there that you can use that would help sort of build up a picture of that. On, all, on there as well, there's a, a resource guide which links to um, some excellent books and um, games that are online that people can play um, that will give you an understanding. I think that's probably the, the best place to start. Um, but there is quite a lot out there. I mean, there are some really good books. There's a book by a guy called Paul Moorcraft called It Just Doesn't Add Up. And he's a journalist and dyscalculic himself. And he worked very closely with a professor called Brian Butterworth. 
um, and they've produced that book. And and I think for you know for for young people trying to find a place in the world or in the workplace or something like that that's probably a really good place to start and encouraging. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Pete, for coming on HY Dyslexia podcast. I have learned so much on this podcast than I've ever done in my math sessions, to be honest with you. It's been absolutely amazing. I just really want to say thank you so much for the work you're doing. Continue doing the work you're doing because so many of us really need the understanding of it. And um, yes, you know, of course, when lockdowns are lifted or whatever, hopefully we'll all be able to um, see each other again and um, learn a bit more about this condition in a big conference where maybe you know people can meet and I don't know when that will be obviously <laughs> but I want to say thank you very much and You're is there any, any is there anything you want to say to our viewers a last sort of thoughts or anything no, not really I, I mean Elizabeth I think you've said it really well in terms of describing what you've done um I I, I think that you know it is challenging um all neurodiverse conditions are challenging but I mean stick with it and and i think the the work that we need to do on on bringing people together and and making people feel able to talk about it is really important wonderful thank you very much i think we'd end here with our podcast i want to say thank you to our funders equip um of course european social fund and um, education skills funding agency for um obviously supporting this amazing project that we're doing which is to do with our podcast i want to say a very big thank you to our uh, podcast producer yola who works for uh, who has her own company called salt and pepper productions um yes she's amazing and you can link up with her on, on linkedin as well you can also link up with uh, Pete on LinkedIn. Um, Pete's website is www.tutorium.co.uk. I think I've pronounced that right. If not, we will put it in a caption when we, when we um, uh, of, of course, share the podcast. And I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. See you same time next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, all things dyslexia is funded by EQUIP, the Education Skills Funding Agency and the European Social Fund. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions. <laughs>